Hello, everyone. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, Twim Sisters Edition with Ariane Smith and Tiffany Hales. Twim Nation, we are very glad to be here for our monthly podcast. Yes, the month of June. We are in the middle of summer. Yes. It feels like it's the middle already. Maybe it's only the beginning still. Well, no, that's because, so what, have the kids been out of school for what, three weeks now? Uh, it's been about a month, almost a month. We're going on a month. Yeah, I guess you're right. We are. We're going on a month. And see, that just, it just feels like a lot longer. It feels like about two months. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> highs and lows. I'm enjoying my time with my kids, don't get me wrong, but so many highs and lows. It, 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 you know, being out of school just really changes the dynamic. It does. One, I, one minute it's bliss and lovely, and the next minute everybody's screaming and fighting. Exactly. <laughs> so. And and your house just looks like a tornado for the whole month of summer. Yeah, it's true. Never, never to be untornadoized till about September 1st. It's true. So you've had a lot going on in your family the past month. Yes, we have. I survived graduation. High school graduation was um, the 1st of June. And so we got my daughter graduated. And uh, uh, it's just, it's it's fun to see your kids, like, as hard as, as bittersweet as it is to see them grow up, it's also fun to see them um, making decisions and doing things and having goals and going yes. forward and becoming these just like incredible human beings that you look at. I, I mean, you're, you're not there yet, but for me, I look at my adult children because this is number four, four right. number four adult child. And I look and I think, these are amazing human beings. How did that, you know, I, I feel like I played a minuscule role in them becoming <laughs> amazing human beings, but I'm blown away at the amazing human beings they're turning into that, you know, I, I, I like to be, be verklempt with mommy pride, but I'm really not so sure how much I had to do with it. <laughs> they're, they're great kids. Yeah, they are great kids. But let's, let's be honest. You were a wreck. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. I she was, was a wreck. wreck for about like a week, maybe two weeks. Yeah. Leading up to and then the day of. Yeah. I <laughs> I think so her graduation was on a Saturday. And I think what was it about midnight on Friday night? Uh, leading into Saturday morning that I texted you. And I, I don't even remember what I said, but I was just like, I, I'm, I can't handle this. I'm losing it. I have too much to do. I'm too emotional. I'm this, I'm that. <laughs> I will, I'll say it was frightening me Uh, Yeah, for my future (laughs) as well. It should, but you know what? I mean, I think that just comes Uh with, you know, the other thing too is I was battling a really bad cold. So in my defense, whenever I have a really bad cold or any sort of illness like that, it makes me far more emotional. That's true. And you were tired. And I was tired. I'm like that. If, if I'm tired, I'll cry at anything. Yes. So I, I was very tired because the month of May was draining and exhausting, but fun. Mm-hmm. You know, the motto was less panic, more joy. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah. And, and so my, my, my emotions were quite on edge, but now she's graduated. It's done. Uh, life has returned to a, a semblance of summer normal. And, uh, I do have to say, I'm going to give a little missionary update. So my daughter Shelby, she has been in Eastland, Texas for the last five weeks or five months, I should say, excuse me. She just got transferred last Tuesday or two days ago, Amarillo. 
She is in Amarillo. So if we have any listeners in Amarillo, you be on the lookout for Sister Tanner. She's moving to the big city. She's moving to the big city. I just think of that song, Amarillo by Morning. I know. (laughs) Up from San Antonio. Great George Strait song. (laughs) I'll spare you from singing it. Thank you. All right. Well, let's talk. Let's talk Father's Day. We had Father's Day. Uh-huh. So, what did you guys do for Father's Day? Well, my husband. Well, first of all, what they do in your ward? Oh, in our ward, they gave him Hershey bars that were like tucked in a little envelope that was folded over, and it had like a little tie glued onto uh-huh. it, so it looked like a little shirt and tie with a Hershey bar sticking out. It was adorable. Okay, who put these together? Uh, some sister in my ward who. It just, I don't know how it ended up in her lap because I'm not sure what her calling is. I don't think it's related, but she did it and it was so cute. Oh, so, so this wasn't like a young women's activity. No, the young women handed them out. But okay. They did not. Fair enough. They didn't make them, but okay. they, they were darling. So how about so, your board? Okay. I'm, I'm going to get up on the Tiffany soapbox as I tend to do every once in a while. Uh, maybe, every month? Maybe even monthly. <laughs> Did they fail on Father's Day this I, year? No, 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 no. To the contrary. Oh, they outdid Mother's Day. In my opinion, they outdid oh, Mother's Day. Oh, you can't do that. So <laughs> here's what they did for the dads on Father's Day. Now, now let me backtrack here because I think last month I was on a rant about the cheesecake in my ward. Oh, yeah. You didn't like it. I, yeah. That I just, I wanted a sliver of cheesecake, not a slice of cheesecake. <laughs> and that we'd done the cheesecake for a while and we needed to mix it up. And I suggest next year chocolates. Okay. Well, guess what the men come cruising out of the kitchen with? Chocolate. Oh, no, no. Even better. What? A swig sugar cookie. (gasps) What? No, excuse me. A so delicious sugar cookie. (gasps) Oh, I'm jealous. (laughs) Oh, mama was not happy. So did your husband give you his? No. (laughs) He likes the sugar cookies as much as you do, huh? well, I don't know if he ate the sugar cookie because he's not he's not a super big sugar cookie fan. I mean, he likes uh-huh. the sugar cookie, but they're really thick and really rich. And he's kind of, you know, maybe a one or two bite sort of a guy. Right. I think probably what happened is he shared it with my two sons, Isaac yes. and Mark, probably, on the way home. Probably your kids got to it. Probably Mark consumed more of it than anything else is what I'm guessing. Although <laughs> I do not know that for sure. But I'm just like, I am so bitter. I'm like, I would have loved a so delicious sugar cookie. Well, you got to put the bug in someone's ear next year oh you better believe it now that i know that there is budget for so delicious sugar cookies <laughs> you better believe that for the next 11 months i'm going to be on a one woman campaign to say sisters in the eagle seventh ward want so delicious sugar cookies you better watch out one of these days one of these announcements that comes out is going to be like no more mother's day and father's day traditions at church <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be right before you get your sugar cookie. <laughs> there you go. That 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 could very well be the case. Anyway, so yeah, that's my soapbox for the month is the women got cheesecake, the men got so delicious oh, sugar that's cookies. Funny. That is funny. Well, I know in like a couple months ago in our podcast we were talking about how I was on the verge of becoming a hall dweller. Oh yes, with my baby. Yes. I might officially be a hall dweller. Yes. <laughs> and and the baby is now 13, almost on his way to 14 months old. He's close to 14 months crawling and we've done pretty good so far, but this last Sunday was the breaking point. And it's, you know what, you know what it is? We do pretty good on a Release Society Sunday because he's contained. We're in the Release Society room. It's a smaller environment. It's moms. They're cool. 
But um, didn't you tell me he loves to make a beeline for the music stand? He does try to go for the piano the music stand, which is problematic. So I, I have to strategically sit. Okay. I got to sit on the other side next time. Okay. Um, but Sunday school, our ward has moved Sunday school to the chapel because they were finding the Relief Society room was too small. And now that Sunday school is in the chapel, it's a problem because it's big and echoey. Yeah. And so I try to keep them contained, you know, in a row. Yeah. But this last Sunday, the the teacher's supposed to have a microphone so okay. that people can hear them and they come down from the pulpit and they're Yeah. They're, you know, they're trying to be more casual yes, in the chapel. They're, they're trying to make it work in the chapel. They're they're down from the pulpit. They're trying to interact with the crowd, but people spread out and it's echoey and it's hard to hear. And so this last Sunday the teacher's mic was broken and so we made it through about three quarters of the way, which is pretty good. Uh-huh. And then he wanted, my baby wanted some more of his bottle and then there was a little bit of milk left. I uh-huh. gave it to him. He ran out of milk. He got real mad. He chucked the bottle. Oh dear. <laughs> and and I and I might add for you listeners, that kid has a throwing arm. He he may have a future in a in a sport sport involving a ball. He does. Well, and the way our chapel is, it's one of these newer church buildings that has I call it stadium seating. Okay. It's there's where, a slope. There's ever so slight slope in the chapel. Oh dear. <laughs> which is awesome for viewing the podium, not great for small children because anything they chuck rolls. <laughs> so I'm just thinking, oh, I'll just grab the bottle and I'll take him out and re- uh-huh. fill it with water and he'll be happy. But he chucks the bottle and I'm looking and it rolled somewhere. Probably near the front where yes. the teacher without the mic was. Probably. And by then he's screaming and it's so loud and it's echoing. And I can tell the elderly are not they're amused. not abused. <laughs> Your baby is not as cute and darling to them as no, he once was. No, he used to be so snuggly and quiet. <laughs> so we exited, which was fine. But it was interesting because I got to see ev- all like there were a ton of young women out in the hall skipping Sunday school. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> which of course they were quite delighted to see my baby. Well, of course. But I was like, what is going on today? Why are all the young women skipping uh-huh. Sunday school? But this leads to my my this only adds fuel to my desire. I know I've expect that, yes. expressed this to you before. I'm really holding out hope that someday they will just cut the Sunday school <laughs> hour and just give us release society every week. <laughs> and it's not because I don't love Sunday school. We actually have yeah. really great Sunday yeah. school teachers in our ward. But I just feel like my like I enjoy the sisterhood of release society I and I miss it. But even more than that, I have a daughter in young women's and I hear, well, and I at one time uh-huh. was in youth Sunday school yes. and I hear her stories of youth Sunday school and they don't seem productive. No, I just, I would so much rather have her in young women's every I know. week because I just, when you mix the boys and the girls in those youth Sunday yeah. school classes, I don't feel like a lot gets accomplished. Uh, no. <laughs> And half the young women were in the hall this last Sunday, so they must not be enjoying it. Exactly. Okay, your your ward needs so. to find an enforcer. We have an enforcer in our ward. I know. I think every ward does. You know what I heard afterwards? I heard they were having like a big teacher training. So oh. I don't know if that was occupying the Sunday school. Because usually the Sunday school yeah. presidency like, yeah. kicks them all out of the hall, right? Yeah, that's, that's how my Sunday school presidency functions <clears throat> is the president, like he seriously probably for the first 10, 15 minutes of Sunday school, he walks the halls. And if he finds errant youth, he just 
promptly marches yeah. them right back to their classrooms and yes. tells them, have a seat and enjoy the lesson. That is your main job as a Sunday school well, president, yeah. right? You I got, mean, what you, else do you do? You got two jobs as a Sunday school president. This is how I figure it. You got job number one, which is to make sure the youth are all in their proper Sunday school classes. Right. Don't worry about the adults. If they're skipping, they're a lost cause. Your second job, ring the bell. That's right. Ring the bell. Don't, oh, and third job is shuffle the kids to another class when their teacher doesn't show up. Ooh. Or you jump in and sub. Or here's another job too. If you've got kids that are going into the wrong class because their friends are in those classes. Oh, yeah. I've had my Sunday school president when I taught youth Sunday school who would come in and go, get his little finger and grab them and say, uh-uh-uh. Oh, see? They're good about that in your you're ward. You're not in this class. You're going to the right one. I hear they're not so great about that in our ward, that it's oh. a bit free for all. That they're kind of just glad they're in Sunday school. I think that's the theory. Although, you know, now that I'm talking about the bell ringing, I'm I don't thinking think to myself, I don't think with the new schedule, I've heard the bell ring. I haven't heard a bell in years. Well, I don't even know if I heard it before the new schedule. They were really good in my ward about ringing the bell uh-huh. when we had the three-hour block. They but did. I know now, now that I think about it, I think they don't ring the bell at all because you're starting and ending right on the hour or the half hour. I don't think I have heard a bell in our ward since we moved to Idaho. Oh, dang. I wonder if our new fancy stadium seating chapel... Did not come with a bell. Oh, no, they all come with bells. <laughs> Do they still I'm put pretty, bells? I'm pretty sure they all come with bells. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they got rid of it. Well, you're just going to have to go on a hunt and find out where the bell is. We need more information. Yes, we do. So, <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we ought to talk about <laughs> the news. The news, since that is what we're here That's to report right. on. There's been lots of fun stories this past month. Yes, there have. Members of the church in the news. Okay. So first one we have is... We, we have apostles touring. Yes, we, we have do. apostles on tour. I feel like every month there's apostles touring. I and know. Every time we podcast, there's a new story about someone who's Ex- been somewhere. Exactly. And it seems <laughs> like when they go on tour, it is usually... Like they are, yeah. I mean, they're hitting a couple of different stops on yeah, the way. Yeah. But they, anyway, they pack it in. Anyway, first one is President Nelson. Uh, he did a trip to Florida, okay, and was meeting with the saints in Orlando. And the headline of this story, um, this one was put out by Deseret News, was that the CEO of One Pulse Foundation, which is of course the night, the Pulse nightclub. The one where they had the shooting yes, last year. The shooting. The, was it two last year or two years ago? I believe it was two. Two years ago. Yeah, two, two or two three. Th- yeah. Oh, no, 2016. So three, so three years, years ago. ago. Um, and, of course, that was the, the gay nightclub where 49 people Very sad. lost their lives. One of, I think it was the worst they've ever yeah. had, wasn't yeah. it, in that kind of a situation? Um, so the CEO of One Pulse Foundation came to a meeting yeah. where he was and met him. Well, I think there was a VIP event where he mm-hmm. had requested to um, meet with uh, not only that was the CEO invited, but family members of those who had mm-hmm. passed away in the nightclub were invited to this meeting mm-hmm. with him. Anyway, yeah. So she met with him. They quoted her as saying that she was moved, and uh, he knew, he was she was moved that he knew uh-huh. what they were doing, and he knew about her organization, and he was very kind. Um, she said that in addition to him, that they felt a lot of concern from local members of the church over the years um, that have wanted to have conversations. Yeah. 
to make things better in their community and heal and support her and her organization. So it was kind of cool to see that. I Like neat that he would take yeah. the time to meet with them. Well, and, and so often the news coverage um, related to the church and especially dealing with the LGBT. TB, I, I never can get it right. Mm-hmm. The, the, the L, what is it? The LGTBQ community. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, um, so often that news is very negative coverage towards the church and, um, the policies that the, that, I mean, the policies, but the, the, the doctrine that the church has right. with regards to, um, you know, the morality surrounding, uh, gay and lesbian uh, behaviors, so to speak. And so it is, it's nice to see some positive coverage where the mm-hmm. church is like, you know, hey, even though we may disagree, you know, this was a tragic thing. We're mm-hmm. sorry for the loss of life. And just for her to also be able to say, you know, hey, members of the church came and helped us and supported us. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a real opportunity for the community to build bridges. And, you know, that's what it needs to be because there's so much rhetoric on both sides of the gay and lesbian debate. Those who both vehemently agree with the church and those mm-hmm. who both vehemently disagree with the church that I'd like to see a lot less debate and a lot more understanding. Yeah. It's nice to see a little bit of meeting in the middle. Exactly. And putting aside differences. Exactly. And, so, exactly. Yeah, it was, it was cool. Now you have another. I, I have president Oaks, president Oaks and his wife, uh, they hauled themselves over to BYU Hawaii for a devotional. That's a sweet gig. And that is a sweet gig. And um, they took um, Elder Kimby Clark with them. So um, he went ahead and went with them. And so Elder Oaks, or President Oaks, I should say, spoke with, obviously, the students over there in a devotional. And um, one of the things that he was talking about is he was talking about that, you know, in today's youth, there is a growth, there has been a significant and substantial growth of anxiety, depression, and relationship problems Uh that they haven't um, seen. And it says, studies have shown a nationwide increase over the number of college students seeking mental health uh, services with anxiety as a great concern. Now, to me, this is kind of... um, the chicken and the egg question. Right. You know, is it just being diagnosed more yes. or is it actually are are they seeking those services because mm-hmm. there's less shame associated right. with those services than there used to be or uh have the need for those services increased? I think it's probably a bit of both yeah. is what I think. Um because you know, I look at my kids, you know, I obviously have teenagers and I have young adults, you know, who are, who are, you know, making decisions and choices and these lifelong things. And there is just an enormous amount of stress and anxiety that comes mm-hmm. with it that I don't recall seeing or feeling that way mm-hmm. when I was making those same decisions in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that president Oaks pointed to was social media. Um, he said, uh, technology allows viewers to compare their overall uh, lives to the highs of their peers. I, I do agree to, uh, you, to a certain degree. Yeah. What's, what do you see with your teenagers? Well, you know, what am what I'm more concerned about more than anything else right now is 
um, more my 12 year old, because I think that she is a lot more open to influence right now because her brain is still developing, Mm -hmm. you know, um, definitely, you know, my girls, you know, would see things on social media and, you know, oh, so-and-so is doing this and, and, and they would, you know, there's that natural tendency to to feel left out. And so I think a lot of that, you know, to combat that short of just saying, hey, don't look at your phone, uh, because I don't think that's a realistic thing to say, don't look at your mm-hmm. phone. I think you can certainly limit screen time, but I think just to say, don't look at your phone, I think you need to address the deeper problem of what do you, when your mind goes to that place where you want to compare yourself to somebody, how do you move your mindset out of that place? Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was kind of really just checking in with my girls and saying, you know, it just reminding them, you know, people put out on social media their best selves and what they want people to see. People do not put out on social media their ugly cry and their depression and their anxiety. And so although it may look like somebody's life is perfect, it's probably not. Right. And to just um, to just continually remind them of that and remind them as well, don't focus on that person. Focus on you. Let them do them. You do right. you. I really can't imagine having had that as a teenager. As an adult, it's easy to sort through things and and not like I never feel left yeah. out if I yeah. see other people doing other things. Yeah. But I know as a teenager, had I seen that, yeah. like I wouldn't have had the maturity to be able to go. Oh, okay. I know that I yeah. would have said, "Oh man, how come nobody invited me?" Yeah. Or uh, all I did was stay home tonight. Yeah, I exactly. can't imagine just the added pressure exactly. that that would bring. Exactly. Well, and and one of the things that Elder Oaks counseled these BYU students, or I keep saying Elder Oaks, I mean President Oaks, <laughs> counseled these BYU students is he says, no matter the uncertainties about the cause of anxiety, the gospel gives hope and assurance as well as perspective to understand the purpose of life and the role of the of opposition. And I really liked that because I think that, again, you know, when you're working with, whether you're working with youth or your own kids, to help them keep that greater gospel perspective on things and not so much, you know, a worldly perspective, um, that can help. One of the, his wife of Sister Oaks, of course, spoke, and one of the things that she said that I really like is she says, our earthly circumstances do not determine our peace or lack thereof. True peace lies in our trust in Heavenly Father and the love of our fellow men. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really true because I have to tell you, one of the times that I felt the most amount of peace in my life, as crazy as this sounds, was during my divorce, Mm -hmm. you know, and there was so much turmoil and anxiety and all sorts of things going on. But I could always kneel down and pray and Mm -hmm. ask Heavenly Father and say, I need some peace. I know you can't change this circumstance, but I know you can give me some peace. Can you just give me some peace for a little while? And so that's what I really liked is that our circumstances don't determine our peace or lack thereof our trust in our Heavenly Father does. So I think that's, again, a good message to send to youth and to send to Mm -hmm. kids is that, you know, peace comes from Heavenly Father. Again, that's not to say that you shouldn't address mental health issues if you have mental health issues, because I am a firm believer that in mental health and seeking treatment for mental health, if you have those issues, but you can do both. You can do the treatment and you can also keep a gospel perspective. Yeah. 
Very cool. Okay. All right. Oh, we have a pageant story. This was an article from Deseret News about the end of Manti's Mormon Miracle Pageant. It is coming to a close after 52 years. Um, so I guess they, they're they one of the ones, and there have been a, a few that have just, yes. we're cutting it. This is the last this year. This is the last they're one. They're not, you know, given a three-year notice. They're just, nope, we're going to be done. So, and I, I have to say, this pageant started in 1967, the year of my birth. Oh. It's as old as me. And you've never been, right? I've never been. I'm such a bad member of the church. Well, it's too late now. It is too late. Well, I guess I could go down this weekend. It's this week. There's, I could, I could could catch it. it. You better book it. (laughs) Yeah, no, not going to do that. So yeah, it showed last weekend and then it's going again, June 18th through 22nd. So if you have not made it yet, people, now is your chance. I've never been to this pageant either, but it sounds like it's, similar to the Palmyra pageant. Uh-huh. Is that what that one's called? The Palmyra pageant, which yeah. I have been to, um, because it says it recounts the restoration of the gospel, featuring the life and experiences of the prophet Joseph Smith and the coming forth of the Book of Mormon, complete with Nephite Lamanite battles and oh. Jesus Christ's appearance in America. Hmm. So that sounds a lot like what the Palmyra pageant was, if I remember correctly. Anyway, it was kind of a fun article. They kind of gave a little bit of the history on it. And they just talked about, you know, so many people in this town for years and generations have been involved in putting this on. They quoted one person that was in it participating and he said i'm from a four generation pageant family and he he started doing it like at age 15 Uh uh-huh um he got to play joseph smith and all these years later he's still involved in some aspect with the pageant yeah and um they were just getting different stories they said one year samuel the lamanite didn't show up he was he'd been working for a local farmer all day and he fell asleep and missed his cue oh dear (laughs) but the show went on Samuel, where are you? <laughs> okay, that's kind apparently, of funny. Apparently, he felt horrible afterwards. And the next year, they had like a temple security guy back there to make sure that like he wasn't Samuel the Lamanite sleep. didn't sleep. <laughs> and then they quoted a lady who has worked on the costumes, and she said they interviewed her while she was sitting at a sewing machine uh-huh. making a last minute adjustment to the Savior's white robe. Oh, and um, they were asking her about doing the costumes and what will happen with all the costumes. Uh, she, they said it's still being decided, but some might be donated to drama departments at BYU or BYU-Idaho. Well, you know what? Maybe they could go into that big vault that the church has <laughs> that I was talking about when we did our temple pageant right. here. They can use them for the temple pageants, Except although I don't not, think they're going to do no. those. I think I think the I think the uh, the Temple Youth Productions went away with yes. President Monson because since then I believe President Nelson has just been visiting with the youth, but there's been no there's been no further pageantry. But I still can't but help but think that there's a big warehouse in Salt Lake that is full of all sorts of costumes uh, for potential use in church productions, ranging from current clothing to pioneer era clothing. I Two Lamanite and Nephite clothing. That's I, my theory, and I'm sticking to it. I do not know what they'll there's do. There's the vault of the church records, and there's the vault, the vault of, the, of the church costumes. The vault of the church costumes. I, I just don't know what they could do with all these. But um, speaking of that, I heard rumor this week 
from a friend at the gym. Oh. So this is totally unofficial. Well, but maybe it is out there. I don't know. She, This friend at the gym said that she had heard just this week that treks are getting the cut. Oh. Which I would not be surprised about if they're trying to simplify things. True. Um, but I don't know where she heard this from. I have not. I have no confidence. Confirmed knowledge. So if anybody knows, okay. let us know. Okay. Well, I and, I and I believe, well, you know, we did a thing on tracks. Uh, I think maybe last summer when I was going on tracks yeah. that, you know, they, they had, they kind of maybe started in the seventies, but they got really big in 1997 right. with President Hinckley and, and they kind of had exploded since then. So right. I don't know. So it'll be interesting. I know everybody is anxiously awaiting to hear what the new, th- new youth program yes, will be. Exactly. Everybody's on pins and needles and wanting to kind of get ready for it, especially if you're yeah. in youth leadership. Yeah. So. I don't know if that'll be part of it. We'll just have hmm. to wait and see. Well, that will be very interesting because I I know for my stake when we did Trek last year and your mm-hmm. ward is getting ready to do yes. Trek. Yes. I have a daughter going on Trek this summer oh. and I'm so excited because I have <laughs> dreams of her coming back home and being so grateful for her bed and her home and her life. I might have like too high of expectations. Uh, <laughs> you all can't see this. I'm, I'm patting her on the back and I'm saying, good luck with that, hon. Let me know how that works for you. I just... I really, really want her to have like a really hard, tough few days, you know? Yeah. Good luck with that. (laughs) I think it would be good for her soul. (laughs) A mom can always hope. Anyway, they they do spend a significant amount of resources doing these tracks. Oh yeah. I feel like in our ward right now, it's kind of all hands on deck. Yeah. Getting ready for the the track. So... All right, so we will move on to the next story, which is about VidAngel, which has actually been covered quite extensively here on Twitter. They are like the little company that will not die. The, yeah, like the little engine that could. I was actually in Provo a couple weeks ago with my roommates. We were having a little roommate reunion, uh-huh. and we saw VidAngel at like headquarters downtown Provo. There was a big sign on the building, and I was like, are they still Seriously? Are they, are they still, um, clearly they still have headquarters in Provo. I didn't well, know that they were still surviving. Well, and here's how they're still surviving. Um, so their their business model was they would purchase all these movies, and then you could purchase a movie from them, and you could then decide what you wanted to see or not see in the movie, and that would be bleeped out. And then when you were done with it, you could sell it back to them. So that's how they were trying to get around the trademark laws. But they got sued by Hollywood, and Hollywood said, yeah, yeah, no, not so much. So what they're doing now is um, you connect your VidAngel account, apparently, to Netflix and right. Amazon Prime. And I do remember hearing that they are doing that. Yes, they're doing that. But the reason they were in the news this week is, okay, so they lost their battle, and then it was a matter of how much are you going to have to pay for losing your battle. Right. So Big Hollywood wanted them to pay $125 million. Mm-hmm. They said, oh, just fine us 600000 The jury said $62.4 million is what their penalty is. <laughs> and apparently they have assets in the bank right now of $2.2 million. It's not looking good. It's not looking good. So, so if you are a subscriber, you better get on Netflix this weekend and, and watch, watch all those rated R movies because your time is is running ticking. It, exactly. Is ticking. It's running short. 
Um, but, uh, because I think probably their only option is going to be, they're going to have to declare bankruptcy because that's going to be the only way to wipe out that judgment because big Hollywood isn't going anywhere on this. Is this the first actual settlement or like... Like judgment for money because I feel like they've been sued so many times. Yeah, this and they keep coming back. They, but this is, it's just been oh, drawn out over yeah, the years. So yeah, we, it's we, just been. We it, feel like it's multiple lawsuits exactly because okay. civil litigation, my friends. You know, people come in and they're like, "Oh, we want this resolved quickly," and, and I might have to laugh when they say that because I'm like. Oh, honey, in the litigation world of lawyers, nothing moves quickly. All right. So, so there haven't been multiple suits. This is just the same old one. This is this is this that is that resurfaces. There may have been some other suits, but this was this was the biggest okay. one that that resurfaced. And so, you know, and they have a lot of people out there who really really like yeah. them. A good friend of mine, she loved it because she and her family love to watch movies, and so mm-hmm. they would, you know, be able to get stuff bleeped out. And yeah, we used to use them back in the day. Yeah, for stuff with our kids, and I've never used them because, folks, I'm a heathen. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I just I really don't watch that many movies. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I would say I probably see less than ten movies a year at most. I- I'm a TV junkie. Uh-huh. I'm a documentary junkie, so I'm always watching documentaries right. and TV shows. So yeah. Anyway, all right. Moving on. All right. So the next article we have, this was a great one. I love this one. It was on Common Consent, um, the blog. And this was an article by Heidi Naylor. And we need to give a shout out because she is uh, she teaches English here yes. at Boise State. Apparently, she's a local. She's a local girl. So I loved this article. It was titled Fear Factor. And she is talking about the relations with... Between us and yes. Muslim Community. and other, not just them, but other religions also. But she mentions how her brother, uh, Carl Buse, and his wife live in Ohio and have worked hard out there to build an interfaith alliance in their community, which I think we're seeing more and more of. And I, I love it. I think we are. And, mm-hmm. and what I wondered is I wondered if her brother and sister-in-law were stake public relations specialists. Mm-hmm. We have a couple from my ward that is a stake public rela- that was called within the last year as a stake mm-hmm. public relations specialist. And I cornered her at one of our church events and I said, what exactly does the stake public relations specialist do? Right. Because I was quite curious about this. Uh-huh. I mean, what kind of public relations do we need to have here in the Eagle Idaho right. stake? <laughs> So what she told me is one of her primary assignments is to go out into the community Mm -hmm. and make contact with other religions and try and um, build up consensuses and um, do interfaith sorts of Mm -hmm. things uh, just to, because a lot of other religions will work with each other, Mm -hmm. but the more, the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have Especially, Historically, we've been very separate. Exactly. Especially in highly mm-hmm. populated er- areas where there's right. lots of members of the church. Um, you know, we are kind of cliquish. We kind of stand off to ourselves and all the other religions look at us as being cliquish and kind of standoffish. Right. And it's probably not that way as much out in the mission field, so to speak, I'm mm-hmm. guessing. But um, anyway, so that's what she's doing is she is working with these other religions. Interesting. But that's not what this article is right. about. Right. But that is interesting. I wonder if that's 
what her brother does. So he had written to her and told her that uh, one of the leaders of the Muslim community there in Ohio, where he lives, had sent a letter to the LDS, I don't know, probably stake president or something, um, shortly after uh, the Easter Sunday attacks in Sri Lanka uh-huh. that happened this year and, of course, killed 250-plus people. And so the Muslim leader had reached out and said, you know, we're so saddened by these attacks. We're feeling for you. And just said, you know, we want to stand in support of our community of faith, just mm-hmm. recognizing all people of faith need to stand together. And then said, would it be okay if – we come and attend your church services next week to show our solidarity. And I got chills when I read this. I, I was know. like, oh, that's so kind and thoughtful. Exactly. And so, um, of course, they said yes. And then they had the the bishop uh, of the congregation. They were going to mm-hmm. read a letter, read a letter in church the day that they were there, explaining who they were, talking about the attack in Sri Lanka and how they had reached out. And he ba- basically said, you know, we have five of these is- Islamic friends here in our congregation today. I hope everybody will make them feel welcome and reach out to them as they have reached out to us. And um, it quoted the, they um, said that this bishop said that it should be more clear to us now more than ever that an attack on one religion is attack on all religions and we must stand together. And that I 100% agree with. Totally, totally agree. And so um, she was talking about how her brother had sent her this, I guess her brother had written the letter that the bishop was going yes. to read in church the next day. And he'd sent it to her to proofread, take a look at, see if she could add anything. Because she's the English teacher. That's right. That's good to have one of those in the family. I know. <laughs> You're always my proofreader. Yeah, except, you know what? I suck at proofreading. Well, you're better than me. Okay. I'm real bad. So, okay. So um, then she talks about how, you know, she thought it was great. She got chills. She loved it. And then she talks about how afterwards she somehow started to feel this, like, little bit of fear, like, in the back of her head subconsciously. And she had to be very honest with herself. Why am I worried? What am I worried about? That they're going to come in and, you know, blow up the building. She just had this fear in the back of her head and she knew it was irrational and she knew it was prejudice and she knew it was wrong. But because they are Muslim and they are all of a sudden wanting to come to a Mormon meeting, she Uh just had this little fear thinking, what if they're trying to do something? Is nefarious. Yes, yes. And um, so she... And she does say in her defense, it was midnight. She was very tired. She was tired. She wasn't thinking rationally. (laughs) It's kind of like me at the end of May. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, she just... I loved the article. She beautifully, beautifully and eloquently wrote about how, you know, this fear was clearly her jumping to conclusions. It, you know, was ridiculous. And it's, you know, part of it is... Our society yeah. and media and what we see exactly and we kind of internalize some of those images and have irrational fears and she recognized that and she just talked about what a beautiful thing it was and we need to not be scared of each yeah. other just because we're different and recognize that we all yeah. you know are and- choosing to worship in our way exactly and- and and I really liked that because I mm-hmm. think that's a good 
message for all Latter-day Saints. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, whether, you know, whether it's, okay, I have a fear of Muslim people because they're different or Hispanic people or somebody who's gay or somebody uh-huh. who identifies as being lesbian. You know, a lot of times, you know, we, we have these stereotypes uh-huh. and then you get to know somebody who, ha- who, and understand their difference. Right. And a lot of times after you get to know them, you're like, oh, why was I even concerned? Right. And, and so I think it's a good idea that whenever to do just what she did, whenever we're feeling that fear, mm-hmm. identify where is that fear coming from? Right. Is that fear coming from a rational place or an irrational place? And mm-hmm. if it's coming from an irrational place, how can I make that fear dissipate? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I loved the idea that these Muslim individuals reached out and said, Hey, we want to, we want to spend Sunday in your congregation and that an attack on one religion is attack on all religions. Yeah. I thought it was a really cool story. Yeah. Love to see that happening. Now we're going to move on to two super really fun stories. Now we're on, we're moving on to the fluffy stuff. The fluffy stuff, pop culture stuff. We've, we've, we've dealt with, we've, we've dealt with, um, the all the heavy all the heavy yes okay <laughs> okay so this one i love so much i'm completely fascinated apparently now this is out of the mercury news yes which is in the oakland area yes. oakland california apparently for catholic quinceañeras which you know is the celebration when the girls turn 15 yes oakland's lds temple is the place to take your pictures <laughs> Which I'm sorry, I think that's freaking hilarious. I know. I had never ever heard of that until this story hit the news. I know. Me but apparently either. locals in Oakland have known about it for years. Yeah. And I guess like just word has spread like yeah. all around the Bay Area. People are traveling to the Oakland Temple to take their quinceanera pictures. Like the photographers all know that this yeah. is a popular location. Yeah. And so they'll take their people there. And in the article, there was a picture of, you know, a girl and her, some of her family members, and uh-huh. she's in her big red fluffy quinceanera dress. And uh, I thought it was so funny. I think it's great. Anyway, of course, the church loves this because they quoted Janelle Wyatt, a spokesman for the temple, who said, as members of the church, we love that. <laughs> I'm sure they love it. Any, you know, recognition and getting people onto the temple grounds exactly. they can get, they're all over. My question was... Are the brides getting upset that the picture locations are being bombarded <laughs> by the 15-year-old quinceanera girls? Maybe this is not a problem in Oakland. It's probably not a problem in Oakland, but I have heard that bridal pictures outside of the Salt Lake Temple, it is like Ooh. you're in, you're out, you get your spot while you can. <laughs> Ooh. Otherwise, there's a smackdown between brides going, honey, your time is up. Move up. <laughs> yes. So I was just thinking, oh my goodness, what would happen if quinceanera pictures started happening at the Salt Lake Temple? Oh my. It would be like you'd have to squeeze in well, to get your spot. And I think I saw in one of the comments on the Facebook post on this, because Twin posted this on the Facebook feed, mm-hmm. somebody said they also do it at the San Diego Temple, oh. which would make sense because there's oh, obviously yeah. California has a very large Hispanic population. Right. And that temple is so well known down there. Exactly. That temple mm-hmm. is so well known. I, you know, I just, I honestly, I kind of have a hard time. I mean, I'm happy that they do it, but I have a hard time kind of wrapping my mind around 
why would you go to another church's temple to take your pictures? I mean, you're Catholic. That's kind of why you're generally having the quinceanera. There are gorgeous Catholic cathedrals. Why aren't you taking your pictures in front of your Catholic cathedral? I, I, I mean, not, not that I don't want them there at the temple feeling the spirit and taking the picture, but it just wouldn't occur to me right. that if I was having something like, um, you know, say, for example, my daughter going on her mission, we went to the temple and we took missionary pictures in her missionary clothes. I wouldn't really think to go to a Catholic cathedral and take pictures <laughs> in her missionary clothes at a Catholic cathedral. And again, I realize that may not be an absolute on par example, right. but um, it, I I just, I'm, I'm scratching my head because it's it's not I mean, there are plenty of places places you can take pictures on the temple grounds that right. are just grounds and beautiful. But these pictures are being taken with the with temple, actual the temple in the background. In the background, yeah. so if I if I had an opportunity sometime, I would love to sit down with someone and say, "Why y'all do this? You know, <laughs> explain this to me because I want to understand it better." Right. So yeah, I don't know. Anyway, but it's a thing. Apparently, it's a thing. Okay. All right, let's move on to our other fluffy story that I have been waiting for. This is our favorite. <laughs> LDS Millionaire. We have updates. We have updates. Now, you may recall last month we did discuss the LDS Millionaire. They were still in the application process. Well, the application process closed. They received 2,500 applications. Right. From their giant billboards. From their giant billboards. They spread across Utah saying LDS yes. Millionaire seeks yes. a wife, apply here yes. to come to a special reception. So they narrowed those 2,500 down to 20 women, and the reception was June 7th. Now, apparently some media had asked for press passes, and this LDS um, millionaire was sponsored by the LDS Matchmaker, which is mm -hmm. a, uh, a business. And the LDS Matchmaker said, oh, no, 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 no. But the LDS Matchmaker had their own people there filming this, and they have probably about a 10-minute video on their website about that evening. It's freaking hilarious. It is so funny. This video is not great quality whatsoever. <laughs> but it's not horrible. It's not like they did it on an iPhone. No, but it is amazing. <laughs> Like, so entertaining and fascinating and weird. <laughs> so, there is there is a post on the TWIM website. It connects to the Beehive. And uh, they, the writer on the Beehive went through the video and uh, kind oh. of does a color commentary on the video. And so it's you, hilarious. you can watch the video. And then the writer took, like, stills from the video yes. and put captions below yes. them. I was dying. Yes. Her commentary was so funny. Exactly. Actually, I think it was written by a guy. It was written... No, I don't know who it was. I don't know who I it was. I thought it was by. a girl. It did but seem I like it was her a name. girl. The editor on the story was Rachel Swan. Maybe that's who. I was but I don't. I don't know if that's who 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 wrote it. Anyway, go anyway, watch the go video. Go watch the video. Look at the pictures so it, and the captions that they it, wrote. Because it starts out with all twenty women in a big limo. They come in a limo, bachelor, and bachelor, bachelor style. style. They really, really tried to, you know. Get those details. They did. And so one by one, they get out of the limo and they walk up this red carpet that has like the little rope thingies, you know, that tell you where to go. They stop and they pose they stop on and the they red pose. carpet. And then you can hear people cheering in the background for them as they walk up the red yeah. carpet. But it sounds like five people cheering. Either that or it's a laugh track they put in. <laughs> Maybe. I'm I like, who 
is cheering? Did they hire some interns for the day to come and clap yeah, and take exactly. pictures and cheer? <laughs> so they go inside this banquet room. They're sitting around tables. Uh, they ultimately introduce the millionaire. They do not show a picture of the millionaire on the video. They show you, give you a few details. He still wishes to remain anonymous. Each girl got received a lovely Kate Spade necklace. Uh, so that was the that was what they what they got. And then apparently he went around to each table, spent five minutes with each girl, asked each girl the same questions. Mm -hmm. Then at the end of the night, gave each girl a rose, threw them all back in the limo and sent them down the road. And then he and the uh, LDS matchmaker team sat down and decided what two or three women he might want to have a follow-up date with. Right. And that's all we know so that's, far. That's all we know so far. There was, however, today a very interesting story that came out from KSL today where two women share their experience at the LDS Millionaire event. So they interviewed two women. They interviewed a 24-year-old woman from Idaho and a 31-year-old woman who was actually divorced and had a, uh, a, a one child uh, about their experiences. The women had originally agreed to use their names but then they got a little gun shy because they all had to sign these ironclad non-disclosure agreements that right. they would not disclose the identity of the of the bachelor. Well, KSL found out the identity of the bachelor before it even before it even interviewed these women. So they contact the LDS matchmaker and say, come on, is this his identity? Give us permission to use it. And the LDS matchmaker wouldn't give him permission. And then the very next day, the two women called and said, yeah, we'll still do the interview, but you can't use our names. And right. so they were really concerned that they were going to be in violation of this NDA. I'm very upset about this. I know. I KSL, boo. <laughs> I know. I want to know who The Bachelor that is. That is bad journalism. <clears throat> Why is KSL not printing who this is? I know. Why are they scared of this LDS matchmaker lady? Does she have something... Or maybe they're scared of the millionaire. I don't know. <laughs> Why are they scared but of the you know what? So here's what I did because I was so fascinated. I'm like, well, if KSL figured this out, somebody else had to have figured this out. <laughs> so I'm sitting in court today waiting for my case to be called. And oh. I have a good 30, 35 minutes in court. So I'm sitting there with my phone, like doing all sorts of permutations of a Google search, trying to see if I can figure out if there is like a blog right. or a Reddit. You are a great Google searcher. Or, if anybody can crack this, it's you. Or something out there that mm -hmm. that says his identity and I could not find one thing. Nothing. See, I that's amazing to me. Who, how is this so tight? How is this not I leaked? Know. And come on, KSL, if you know it, you, your responsible journalism needs to be telling Exactly. Us. Because you know what? He, he put this out there. If you're going to put a big old billboard on I-15 in Utah saying LDS millionaire and then expect anonymity, you have put yourself into the public square. So your expectation of privacy and anonymity, yes. in, my, in my opinion, plus gone. the video. And in the video, it shows his silhouette behind a sheet. Yeah. I don't know. It was weird. It said, but there were some clues. It said he had been a burn victim from uh, a plane crash. Well, though he had survived a fiery survived. plane crash. I swear it said that he had burns. Well, well, and then I felt guilty because one of the women, one of the women said that when she saw him, it quoted her as saying, when she saw him, he didn't look like she thought he would. Like she kind of implied that maybe he wasn't good looking. Huh. And then I saw the thing about Burns, and then I felt horrible for, like, 
thinking that that's what she meant. Uh, see, I'm looking, I'm looking here to see if I could. No, it says he survived an airplane fire and a capsized sailboat in Mexico. No, there was somewhere was there else. Was I thought burned? there was that said he had huh. been burned. Maybe I'm wrong. I'll have to go back and look. Anyway, but I also did find a couple more clues today that supposedly he worked for a former Republican president, oh. uh, and he sold his first company at 26. Oh, I wonder how old he is. I got the impression well, from these ladies that he was on the older end I'm, of the I'm window. Thinking, I'm thinking that's, you know, a former Republican president. You're looking at that's Bush gotta between be a while. 2000, 2008. So a dude's got to be pushing 40, Because I, I think the age range, they said, was he was in between 30 and 45. And 45. Yeah. So he's got to be 45, yeah. right? Yeah. Probably. All right. Well, Twim listeners, do not worry. The Twim sisters are on this, and we will continue to dig. We are going to get to the bottom of this LDS millionaire story if it kills me. I'm sure you're all just so fascinated, right? You're all as invested in this as we are, right? (laughs) I'm sure you are. All right. We we before we we're done with news stories for right now. Mm-hmm. So one of our favorite segments that we haven't done for a while is Mormons behaving badly. Yes. Most of the Mormons have been able to behave themselves lately. I know we haven't had any new like super crazy we weird ones. Had any new ones, but but there's I, an old one that's resurfacing. There's an old one and I want to talk about this because it came up in a podcast. So there is a podcast, and the podcast is called The Daily, and it's done by the New York Times. It Mm -hmm. is a very popular podcast. It's a good one. They interviewed a gentleman by the name of Sean Escobar, and this was a podcast they released on May 24th, and he is the victim in the Sterling Van Wagnon um, sexual abuse uh, incident. This happened when he was a child. He's one of the, one, one of the victims. Mm-hmm. Um, this happened when he was a child, and, and he has come forward and said, hey, I'm a victim. This podcast is about Sean confronting Sterling, mm-hmm. and it kind of goes into how the abuse happened, the closeness of their families, what happened after the abuse. And so he asked Sterling to meet with him, and Sterling comes and meets with him voluntarily. Sterling admits to the abuse. They have recordings of this. It's nothing seedy, kind of like the Joseph Bishop stuff, but um, it's a very interesting podcast. So mm-hmm. I would encourage anybody who wants to listen to that to go find it and listen to it. Very interesting. Okay. My okay. favorite things. Yes. It's time for us to share our random favorite things just because we can. Exactly. So. Not because we're paid or this is any sort of a, a a financial remuneration on our part. <laughs> okay, so my favorite thing this past month has been a show on HBO called Chernobyl. Have you heard about this? No. It is like, I don't have HBO. Well, I don't either, but we got it for a month just to watch this stinking show. And oh, it dang. was worth it. <laughs> oh, so, maybe I'll have to look into that. Yeah, you can get HBO for like, I think it's like $15 a month. And so we really wanted to watch this it's like a docudrama. Okay. It's it's a reenactment of Chernobyl, uh, which I knew nothing about. Uh-huh. Happened when I was a kid. Do yeah. you remember hearing anything about it? In the 80s. It? Yeah. In the 80s in Russia, big nuclear power yes, plant disaster. I do. I recall that. Tons of fallout. Um, anyway, it was really interesting. I just, I, it was something I knew nothing about. And so they made this dramatization of it on HBO and it's just getting all kinds of attention. Oh, so how many parts great. of it? 
It was, I believe, six-part okay. series. It was so good. So well done. Great storytelling. Amazing acting. Okay. So good. I'm going to have to go find so, I, I may have to go get HBO for a go month. Go get your HBO for a month. It's, it's worth the $15. 15 bucks. And then you can watch all the other HBO things that you've always wanted to watch and then cancel your thing. Okay. So we have like a running list of what we're going to watch this month. Right here. <laughs> now that we've finished Chernobyl. And also there is a podcast that goes along with it. If you really want to geek out, it's just a Chernobyl podcast where they interview the director the of the of the show and he gives you all like the behind the scenes details about what was, you know, in line with history uh-huh. and the couple things that they tweaked oh. and changed. And it was really interesting to listen to that too. Okay. So. All righty. Well, I'll have to check that out then. Very good. Okay. All right. What's yours? So mine is I was struggling with a Father's Day gift for my husband because that is so hard to find a Father's Day yes. gift. Yes. I think every woman I know struggles with that because they just go and buy what they want anyway. I know, it's true. And then they're like, I don't need anything. <laughs> so I wanted to do something unique. So I got this idea. Our very own Kirk Frankham, he podcasts with Jeff every once in a while. And he, of course, has his own podcast, right. Leading LDS. He has a gig called Draw You Funny, which I had no idea. He uh, mentioned it in a podcast with Jeff. Uh-huh. And what he does is people hire him and he goes around to weddings and to different events. And he takes his little computer and he does caricatures of people. And they're really, really cute. But he also has a website where you Uh can order your own caricature. And I thought, okay, I'm going to have him draw caricatures of my six kids. He just does all kinds of things. I know. For my husband for Father's Day. So I sent him Uh uh, pictures of the kids because I said, I want, you know, all six kids, but I want them in one picture. Right. Just uploaded them on his website. He charges $10 a head, which I think is super reasonable. And he um, drew this picture of my six kids, captured them so perfectly. Mm -hmm. And so I printed it up. I had it framed, wrapped it for my husband. He was shocked. He He absolutely, he loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I just was thinking of all sorts of different ideas that you could use it for. Like, you know, a wedding gift. You always get a wedding invitation with pictures of the bride and groom. Send the pictures of bride and oh, groom to, to, to Kurt. That's 20 a bucks. Good idea. He draws them. You go buy a frame. You give it to the bride mm-hmm. and groom. The bride and groom always love pictures of themselves. Yes. That's part of the deal. <laughs> That's true. You know, I, you know, I was just thinking of all sorts of little things like that that you uh-huh. could use it for that would be so much fun. That's so, a good idea. And I want to say, I paid full price. He did not give me any sort of a discount. This is not a paid deal. <laughs> I just really liked it, and I wanted to give a shout out to Kurt. That's awesome. So, such a good idea. I never would have thought. Of. So, very cool. Okay. Well, I think that about wraps it up for us. Twim Nation, thank you very much for joining us uh, on our monthly podcast. We appreciate you listening. Mm-hmm. And as always, if you you can check out Twim on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, you can find this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, you can send an email to contact at thisweekinmormons.com. That's right. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next time.